you where you were going 40 miles an hour. This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Joey Logano will set his sights on a championship as he heads to one. He started on the pole, dominated the opening stage, dominated the second stage. He has not been the dominant car in the third, but he's there when it matters. Joey Logano to the back straightaway. Here he comes, final time off the end of the back straightaway. Joey Logano is about to become a NASCAR Cup Series champion. For the second time in his career, up off turn number four, checkered flag in the air. Joey Logano wins the NASCAR Cup Series season finale race, and Joey Logano is the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series champion. Amazing. Uh, I feel like it, take too, it took too long to get back to this point, but man, it's, it's so special to win championships. It's what you want. It's, what you, it's the only thing you, I race for. You know, race wins are nice, but championships is what it's all about. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as today we finish our countdown of NASCAR Live's top 10 stories of 2022. As we'll cover five more topics today and some of the voices you'll hear discussing those topics include Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, Kim Kuhn, Dave Moody, Steve Post, Chris Wilner, and of course, championship winning crew chief Todd Gordon. Before we jump into everything that's happened this season, let's jump in and seeing what's happening in the world of NASCAR news right now. And Kyle Ricky is here with that update. Kyle? With the new year swiftly approaching, silly season continues to provide us with no shortage of headlines. The latest coming from Alpha Prime Racing. The team announced that Jeffrey Earnhardt will drive the number 44 Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series next season. Earnhardt has competed in all three national series over the years with a best finish of second in the Xfinity car. And Denny Hamlin has been busy giving back to the community this offseason. A decade after starting their Pro-Am charity golf tournament, Hamlin and Mark Bryan of Hootie and the Blowfish have raised more than $2.3 million for various charities. This comes after the final numbers for the 2022 event came in, with the pair raising over $180,000. The event benefits the Denny Hamlin Foundation, which raises awareness and funds for children with cystic fibrosis, and also Bryan's Carolina Studios that provide students a safe environment with music technology and media arts. Mike. 
Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll dive into the top 10 stories of 2022. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Even years have been good to Joey Logano of late. In 2018, Joey Logano rode to his first NASCAR Cup Series championship with our very own Todd Gordon standing atop the pit box. Then in 2020, he raced for a championship at Phoenix. 2022 is more like 2018 as Joey became a two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. Alex Hayden, Jeff Striegel, Dave Moody join me now to look back on his championship season. Alex, we'll begin with you. Going into the season, what were your thoughts on Joey's chances as a contender for being a NASCAR Cup Series champion? Well, and it starts with the new race car. Nobody knew what this car was going to do. We put this race car for the very first time with zero ideas of what's going to happen on a racetrack we've never seen in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. That is a, a quarter mile tight little track. A, would the, these cars even be able to get around that small place? B, would this new car with these drivers trying to learn it, how would that even take place? Joey Logano went out and, and did it, and he won that race, the Bushlight Clash in the LA Coliseum. And to me, that kind of set the table for the type of year that Paul Wolf, crew chief, Joey Logano driver, and the rest of that team was going to have. They were consistent front runners for the better part of the year. But when you think back to Joey Logano's championship in 2018, they had a great first quarter of the season and then the summer months kind of fell off just a bit and a lot of people were wondering what was wrong with the team only to come back to the playoffs and come on like gangbusters and win a championship once we got to the playoffs you could see that joey logano and paul wolf and that team were in a good spot they were peaking at the right time and come championship week in phoenix I've never seen Joey Logano more confident as a race car driver at any given race, let alone getting ready to try to win a championship. After talking to him on media day that Thursday before the championship race, I was convinced Joey Logano was going to win the race, win the championship, and it wasn't even going to be close. And once the green flag fell, we saw the race unfold. It essentially was that. I think Joey Logano and his confidence level, as an, he's still a young guy. But his confidence level as a maturing race car driver with that race team, he has an identity. This is his race team. This is a team that works well together. To me, they were just from start to finish with all the new variables of this car and, and the entire season on the plate. They really were good from start to finish. He's a great adapter. There's no question about that. Usually when we do something for the first time, he's one of the guys to watch. And in all honesty, we need to learn to start listening when Joey Logano talks because before the playoffs even were close to starting, he was telling everybody that wanted to listen, we're the team to beat, we're the favorite. If you're betting on anybody but us, you're throwing your money away. You know, And they, they won reasonably early. 
And their season, really, the Joey Logano-Paul Wolf season reminded me in a lot of ways of, of vintage Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canales. They got their money in the bank early, right? They, they punched their ticket to the playoffs early. And then by their own admission, they kind of went off the reservation a little bit and spent June and July and maybe a little bit of August trying different things. Some of them worked. A lot of them didn't. But they were able to cross them off their list and not waste time on it once things when things got serious toward the tail end of the season. Canals and Johnson used to do that all the time. And we'd always talk in July and August, oh boy, the 48 car's not up to snuff. They're not going to be ready. The playoffs are going to be tough. And then they'd win out of the three out of the first five playoff races and win the championship. Joey and Paul Wolf did something very similar this past year. You know, the thing that I uh, that I find interesting with Joey Logano, Paul Wolf, and Team Penske was the fact that in a year of tremendous inconsistency with the brand new race car, those two and that team appeared to put together the most consistent season of anybody out there. And I think we all will agree that consistency will win you a championship. They won early at Darlington. Uh, they went out in one gateway, like we talked about. They started the year off with a win at the Coliseum. They picked up a win at Vegas when they virtually had to have it. And then they did the same thing at Phoenix when they had to have the win. The thing that I find, and Alex touched on it, but the thing that I find the most interesting about Joey Logano is his incredible balance in the race car and away from the race car. He will tell you anything you want to know when he's outside of the race car. He's not only capable of talking shop, but he's also capable of talking about anything and everything you want to talk about. But when that man puts on a race helmet, he's as focused and driven as anybody out there. And at age 32 to be a two-time champion, I think there's a lot more ahead for Joey Logano, Paul Wolf, and Team Penske. Joey Logano wasn't the only one on the 22 team to become a two-time Cup Series champion. Crew chief Paul Wolf also earned his second title. Jeff, what kind of impact do you think Paul has had on Joey this season? When I look at Team Penske, and I talk about this all the time, and Alex can weigh in on this because he's heard me use this numerous times, it is a giant puzzle, and you have to have all your puzzle pieces fit together. Paul Wolf works well with Joey Logano. Joey Logano works well with Paul Wolf. They all work together very well under the umbrella of Team Penske. And when you have the crew, the leadership that Paul, that Joey, that Roger brings to the table, those are the puzzle pieces you want. They're the puzzle pieces that everybody strives to have. Team Penske, Joey, and Paul have that. And when you put them all together, you win four times and you win a championship. You know, I, I think across the board, Roger Pensy's he's got his his saying that effort equals results. And that that goes across the board for Team Penske. And the effort that this team puts in from the pit stop practice to the engineers to the road crew who are constantly working on these race cars, getting them set for the short practices, getting them quickly turned around for qualifying for whatever adjustments they need to make. This is a team that is as well-prepared and well-versed for just about any kind of scenario that can get thrown their way. And that starts with Paul Wolf as the crew chief that oversees that. He's one of those types of crew chiefs. Yes, he, he is in charge and he's the one ultimately responsible, but he also understands he's going to let his people do their job and he's going to let them come up with 
suggestions and have an open door policy where anybody on that team that says, why don't we think about doing this or let's try this. He's very much open to things like that with his race team and allows that to happen. A lot of people don't know that Paul Wolf used to be a driver himself. He ran some uh, in the old Bush series, which is the Xfinity series now. Didn't quite make it as a driver, but still understood race cars as well as anybody out there and has found a niche, obviously, now a two-time Cup Series champion crew chief with two different drivers. But to me, across the board, I think this team has such a confidence about themselves because they believe in one another and more importantly, they trust each other. It almost comes across, if you're not real sure about it, it almost comes across as an arrogance, but it is not. It is 100% confidence in each other as a family and as an organization that they can get the job done at any time. And I think the big thing about Paul Wolf that really jumps out, especially from the championship race that they had to win, is Paul himself not afraid to ask for help. During the race, he was texting a competitor crew chief during the race asking for help. He was text messaging Rodney Childers, Kevin Harvick's crew chief. They're very good friends away from the, the sport as well. And he trusted him just to, to get some reassurance on some of the calls he was making. To me, that is just great leadership. When you're not gonna pound your fist on the desk and say, this is the way it is, and you're willing to open your mind and ask for some direction and maybe a little help, if anything, maybe just a confidence booster. I think that's the leader that Paul Wolf is and the team follows that example. A few months ago, Joey Logano signed an extension to stay with Team Penske, meaning that he and Paul Wolf will be back out in 2023 and beyond, chasing championship number three. Coming up, we'll look back on the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The 2022 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs may have yielded a champion in Joey Logano, but it was a wild 10-race stretch that we endured from September to November. Jason Toy and Kim Coon are here with me now to look back on that excursion. Jason, the early story of the playoffs was the exclusion of playoff drivers in victory lane as the first four playoff races all went to non-playoff drivers. When you go back to look at the playoffs and these teams that weren't that weren't able to make it into the field of 16, there was no quit. That's what was awesome to see. You know, it wasn't about, okay, they got to give way to let these playoff drivers have their run for the championship. They didn't, these drivers that won these races, you know, they didn't take a playoff driver out or anything like that. They went out and ran hard. The team won the race. And you, know, you talked about Eric Jones at Darlington. That was a great example of it. That was a team that positioned themselves through that long race to be there for the end. And credit the driver, too. He held off some of the best behind them to get that victory. So I think that having those drivers outside made it more exciting. And it made it even more intriguing, I think, in the playoffs. Because then you, it was that point of, okay, you know, we got all these first-time winners. We've got these winners that weren't in the playoffs that have won. It's kind of messing the show up a little bit, so to say. But it made it more exciting to find out 
how much harder it is to make it to the next round. Absolutely. It added to drama having non-playoff drivers win playoff races. It kept things entertaining. It kept all of the playoff drivers on their toes. And there's always this argument or battle between points and race wins. And you got a little bit of both throughout the playoffs. Obviously, if you, you get a win, you move on to the next round. Well, if a non-playoff driver wins those races, then you fall back on points. And so it had this dynamic of, of points matter, but guess what? Wins do too. And I, I would have liked to have seen even more races won by non-playoff drivers because it really lit a fire under the butts of those drivers contending for a championship. Jason, we saw all of the different winners throughout the season. Should we be surprised by how that trend continued into the playoffs? No, I don't think so. And I think what the season dictated that with seeing so many different winners throughout the year and some of these teams that we've talked about that have stepped up to the forefront that, you know, normally was a mid-pack type team or, you know, back in the 20th position type team to be able to to run for race wins. So, no, I, I think the season that we saw and all the different winners kind of set the stage for what was an exciting playoff run. Kim, the first night of the playoffs in Darlington was the Southern 500. It set up the foundation for what the playoffs were going to be as Eric Jones won all while several playoff drivers ran into issues. And honestly, I feel like the entire playoffs kind of followed suit. There was this uncertainty. Each race, you're like, what can happen now? You think, you know, the drama's over because of what you saw the weekend before and lo and behold, something else happened. And so nobody was safe from drama and incidents and accidents throughout the course of the playoffs. And so, you know, I think after the first race at Darlington, people were like, okay, well, you know, the drivers are gonna shake it off. We're not gonna see the same sort of drama in each of those races throughout the 10 playoffs races. And I, I do think we saw that each and every time it was like, a playoff driver or more has issues. Let's shift now to a few specific moments that stood out. Going into the Charlotte Roval, the second cutoff race. On that day, we saw the drama of Christopher Bell winning to advance, along with the 2021 Cup Series champion being eliminated. The Roval was one of the most shocking playoff races, and that says a lot because so much happened throughout the course of those 10 races. Kyle Larson not moving on, not being able to defend his championship was huge. It was one of the biggest storylines of the playoffs. And the fact that when Kyle had his issue, first of all, the fact that he had an issue, whether it was just a little bit of sloppiness or comfortability, you have your defending champ have a slip up, make a mistake, and he took credit for that mistake. But then the team fixes the mistake and crew chief Cliff Daniels at that point felt safe enough, or maybe he was just trying to calm his driver down to tell his driver they were safe when they clearly were not. And I think kind of the shockwaves riveted the series and the fans. And then on the flip side, Christopher Bell had his back against the wall. He and Adam Stevens proved that they deserve to be in this playoffs, that they were a team that had no quit in them. Um, and I think that in itself, what we saw at the Roval from the 20 team should have been an indicator right there that they were going to be part of the championship for. And then they had to do it again, you know, in, in the final round. But that should have been a little precursor to 
oh, this team has what it takes to contend for a championship and be one of those four teams at Phoenix. Jason, that wouldn't be the last time that we would see Christopher Bell with his back against the wall needing a win to advance. It happened again at Martinsville where he was overshadowed by a move from Ross Chastain that we'll be talking about, well, basically forever. Yeah, that will be uh, the highlight on the highlight reel for NASCAR fans for a very long time indeed. But, you know, it, you can use whatever sports cliche you want to. The, the walk-off home run, you know, the Hail Mary, the clutch three-pointer, doesn't matter. And, and that was what was exciting about watching Christopher Bell in the playoffs. How many times do we see that happen in the playoffs here this year to be able to to add the excitement to in the you know we talked about the parody a little bit too but the excitement of what we had in that championship final four with Ross Chastain having to to pull the game (laughs) the video game move to make it in you know or you know or you look at for Christopher Bell and doing that walk off to come away with the victory him and Adam Stevens the great thing about it you know they knew what they had to do with Charlotte they knew what they had to do after getting knocked out, basically at Vegas, you know that there that whole deal that happened with uh, with Bubba Wallace and with with Kyle Larson took out Christopher Bell and forced him to have the walk off deal that he had there at uh, at Martinsville to be able to get the job done. It, it just as a race fan, it was exciting. I mean, it was fun to see as a broadcaster. It was fun for us to be able to bring that story week in and week out. Uh, to the race fans out there. I just thought it was a fantastic run. It was great to see. Obviously came up short in the championships there for Seabell, but it was uh, a, a great run for him to get to that final four. Kim, you were in Martinsville. Have you been able to wrap your mind around what you saw from Ross Chastain that day? I can watch that clip of Ross Chastain over and over and over again and not get tired of seeing it. It was absolutely hands down One of the best moments in not only NASCAR history or motorsports history, but in sports history, there are few athletes that will put it all on the line. A lot say they will, but there are few that will actually have the audacity and, you know, the bravery to do it. And Ross Chastain did that. And talking to Justin after the race, you got that sense from him. He was literally in shock. He told us, on our MRM broadcast, I have no words. I have never seen anyone do what Ross did, nor do I see, think that anybody else could have done it. And I think that in itself kind of sums up how everybody felt. We were just shocked and wordless and couldn't believe what we were seeing. It felt like something out of the movies. You know, Kim, too, when you look at it, what were we talking about the Monday after that race? It wasn't the fact that Ross Chastain went and dive bombed somebody, punted them, got them out of the way to go away for the win. It was a move that was only done on a video game that be able to pull it, pull it out without hurting anybody to do it. That was just what was awesome. Well, one of my favorite things was later in the week after the race, a lot of the in-car audio and video from other drivers started to pop up. And I think it speaks volumes when you have other drivers in the race watching what Ross is doing, including Denny Hamlin saying, I can't believe what I just saw. I've never seen anything like this. Like, oh my gosh, from the excitement to the shock to the awe that all the other drivers were feeling, including Denny Hamlin. I mean, Ross passed Denny in the closing, you know, fractions of seconds. So Denny saw his championship chances literally go out the window through his window. A moment that we will never forget. Coming up, it was one of the wildest silly seasons that we've had in recent memory. We'll look back at all of the changes at race teams heading into the next racing season.
This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Silly season. Didn't wait long to get started in 2022. It started in late spring with the indecision of what's going to happen with Martin Truex Jr. and Joe Gibbs Racing all the way to Championship Weekend in Phoenix, where it was announced that seven-time Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson will be joining the sport again. Steve Post, Todd Gordon, and Chris Wilner are here now to look back on all of the changes across the Cup Series. Steve, we'll start with you. Let's start with MTJ. Were you surprised that he decided to return for another year in the 19? Martin Truex Jr. is such a tough read because he's so cool, so calm, very lack of emotion and, and we know with his longtime girlfriend sherry with the, the the battles that she has with her health we know that there's so much going on in martin's world if you would have asked me to handicap this i would have thought this would have been martin's last season now i have no reason in ever talking to martin to real to to to, to put that together but it's just okay this guy has had an amazing career um he was struggling just a little bit on the racetrack he, he probably doesn't need the paycheck and so i just kind of had martin as if i had to gamble on that one i just said he probably would have uh, would have called it a season but then he you know proclaimed no i'm coming back i'm gonna go racing some more and you think well you know he is a hardcore northeastern racer and so it did kind of shock me when martin truex jr came back not a huge shock and uh but i just think that it was a little bit of a surprise but it was one of those it was one of those first dominoes is the 19 car going to be available or not and we found out that it was not available right off the bat speaking of dominoes kyle bush was another name at joe gibbs racing whose future with the team was in question todd what did you make of the entire saga that led to kyle bush going to richard children's racing what a tough year for that whole 18 team and, and going forward. And it just the uncertainty and the unknowns and the continued questions to the point that Kyle started it not. He, he just come in and said, I'd love to tell you I had something I don't. Just to kind of alleviate it from, from all the press conferences. In the long run, you know, Mars made, made the decision and, and announced it earlier that they weren't going to come back past 2022. And, and Joe Gibbs Racing couldn't find the sponsorship or, or, or whatever they needed to to put that, that program together. I think as it all unfolded and where it got to, I, I look forward to 2023 and what Kyle Busch can do at Richard Childress Racing. I really think that Kyle Busch and Richard Childress are two guys of different generations cut from the same cloth. They're gritty racers. I think that's part of the hold my watch thing of why they got in that way against each other as, as adversaries. But I think you put those two together as teammates I look for a lot of special things out of that eight car next year with 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 Kyle Busch at the helm and and uh, Randall Burnett running it. You know they had they had multiple wins this year. Uh, RCR has made a turnaround with this next gen car. Um, you know turmoil through the year, a tough year for for Kyle. I mean two motor failures uh, in in situations you wouldn't have expected in the playoffs. Just wants to put this year behind him, but I really look forward to seeing what what. That 18 with Kyle Busch at the helm, what they will do and how that will pull all of the RCR program and, and kind of subsequent kind of supported programs on our campus up in, in, in NASCAR. We'll see what 2023 brings. As Todd just brought up, Kyle Busch will be the number eight at RCR next season. But when that was announced, there was still some sorting out to do with Tyler Reddick as he was set to join 2311 
but not until 2024. Chris, what did you make of the season and the drama that eventually led to Reddick's early departure? Yeah, well, I mean, his season, a breakout year for Tyler Reddick, you know, obviously finding victory lane for the first time at Road America, backing up with two more wins uh, that included at Indianapolis, you know, a marquee racetrack and then and then on an oval at Texas. But you look at Tyler Reddick, I mean, he was the foundation of really the resurgence of RCR and their cup program by his performance and what he brought to the table. And then when Denny Hamlin snuck him in on a media availability and shocked the NASCAR community, uh, announcing Reddick was going to go to Toyota and into 2311 and 24. You know, all of a sudden the circus began, and and unfortunately Tyler Reddick was kind of caught in the middle because then when you know Kurt Busch had his accident and then later announced he was leaving. I mean, nobody knew is is Richard Childress is, how are, how are they going to handle Tyler Reddick? You know, is it going to be an awkward 2023 season with? him just kind of being the guy that everybody knows is leaving and we don't really want to invest or or is he going to try to get out and I mean it just seemed like for Tyler Reddick to have the focus he did on the racetrack and go on and put up wins and top five finishes amidst all this uncertainty uh kudos to Tyler and I thought you know everybody aside from Kyle Busch pegged Tyler as going into 2024 as the top free agent that NASCAR seen in a while just with his raw talent he's a young driver still uh not even at his prime yet and uh, obviously you know 2311 and denny hamlin's smart to grab him and announce that early uh making moves but again that created a, a circus but um you know i think it's it'll be a really great fit for tyler obviously again shuffles things up because tyler said you know he wanted he was still building something with rcr and with randall burnett at, at, at the team in that eight car. And we saw it with three wins this year. And I thought he could be a playoff contender next year. Now, granted, he will have that opportunity in a Toyota with 2311, but certainly for Tyler, a, a breakout season, a phenomenal drive for him, uh, really kind of coming into his own. And uh, now it's time to kind of transition what he's learned uh, with RCR and to take it to Denny Hamlin's team and and to elevate that program being alongside Bubba Wallace. And obviously, Kurt, when he gets healthy, hopefully will run a part-time schedule. But either way, he's going to elevate 2311 at this point from what he's learned at RCR. But yeah, what an up and down turn of events and, and the unknowns. But I think it's a best case scenario that Richard Childress was able to come up with an agreement to get uh, Tyler Reddick over to 2311 for next year. Posty, we're bearing the lead here. It was announced that Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time Cup Series champions, joining Petty GMS as not just a co-owner of the team, but a part-time driver as well. He'll make select starts beginning in the 2023 season with the Daytona 500. And oh, by the way, Noah Gregson will also be joining the team in the Cup Series. I absolutely love what's going on at Petty GMS Racing. Um, first and foremost, their they're, they're, they're mainstay driver, the driver that's been with Eric Jones, uh, picked up the win in the Southern 500. So they're a race-winning team from 2022. Um, I think Noah Gregson just brings that energy, that excitement uh, with him that will work really, really well side-by-side side with Eric Jones. They actually spent some time uh, not too long ago at the Snowball Derby. Uh, racing uh, not together as teammates or not together as teammates, but they were both down there, and there was some great video of them cutting up and Noah cutting up and Eric laughing and and just part of the crew, and they're already getting that that vibe. So those are the two 
full-time drivers and and particularly when you look at super speedway racing boy they are going to be difficult and hard to handle when we come to speedways and i think they'll be pretty good at other races noah gregson a pretty solid year with so many wins on the xfinity series he certainly comes in with a lot of confidence so we have that team rolling along well we go to phoenix so uh, jordan bianchi i think breaks it a day before that jimmy johnson's going to be a co-owner which is exciting news this is great getting seven time back and Jimmy Johnson walks up to the stage and says, not only am I going to own it, but I'm going to drive the car a few times. And it's just going to be incredible to see what that does. And I think that it's just, I think whenever you can have a winner partner in with an organization, I think you're, 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 you're good. Maury Gallagher, obviously a very, very successful businessman. Richard Petty, obviously a seven-time champ. And now Jimmy Johnson and Jimmy from a different generation than the other drivers as well. Coming in, not only as owner, but as a driver, this gives that young duo, Noah Gregson and uh, Eric Jones, more leadership to lean on as well. I just think it's amazing. And and uh, Jimmy Johnson, Daytona 500 coming up in February. Uh, boy, what an exciting, what an exciting part of silly season that was. And that was a late bomb dropped on us. All the movement and new faces in new places should only add to the excitement ahead of the 2023 season. Coming up, we'll continue the theme of silly season by going in-depth on the changes at Joe Gibbs Racing in 2022. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Change is always inevitable, and it certainly felt that way in 2022 for Joe Gibbs Racing. As there were questions about several of the team's drivers' futures in the NASCAR Cup Series. Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, and Dave Moody are back to discuss the changes at JGR. Dave, we'll begin this conversation with you. Martin Truex Jr., after some thought, decided to stay for another year, but Kyle Busch is headed to RCR. How big of a loss is Kyle Busch for Joe Gibbs Racing? There's no question. You, you don't get better by losing a driver like Kyle Busch. Uh, but they lost Tony Stewart at one point in their world. They lost Carl Edwards at one point in their world. They, they lost Bobby Labonte at one point in their world. So, so this is a race team that historically has not necessarily rebuilt so much as just reloaded. And there are a lot of questions right now about Ty Gibbs. And, and none about his talent, but, but some about his, I think, his maturity level and his capability of going in there and running with those cup guys and doing things the right way and earning their respect and their trust. But that's okay. I, Joe Gibbs Racing has a lot of questions right now. There's no doubt about it. They are, they are in a period of transition. Nobody inside the walls at JGR is going to look back on 2022 with any degree of fondness whatsoever. But you keep pushing forward, you know, and, and in Coach Gibbs' career with the Redskins, they had losing seasons. They had times where they where they really struggled, but he never changed his focus and he never changed his course and he just kept pushing. And I expect we'll see more of the same out of that organization this coming year. Alex, were you surprised by his departure? I think I was more surprised by how difficult it was to attach a sponsor to Kyle Busch. We know Kyle Busch can be uh, colorful off the racetrack. We know it can be colorful on the racetrack for that matter. Uh, but you can never doubt his ability as a race car driver and his ability to win races and his ability to win championships. And I think what gets lost in all this is his ability to lead a race team. 
because he's been able to put race teams on his back before and say, don't worry about it. Just give me a car that can that can go fast and I'll handle the rest of it and make decisions on what types of changes needed. He's such a smart guy on the nuts and bolts of a race car and the build of it. So to me, the, the inability to find sponsorship for Kyle Busch was the big head scratcher in this entire deal. Doesn't mean we know that there was other issues. I mean, all those negotiations are, were certainly private and behind closed doors, but based off of the information we've all been able to learn publicly and, and by chatting to sources in the garage all summer long and into the fall, to me, that was the biggest problem. Why couldn't they find sponsorship? And with the loss of Eminem's Mars, and not just with Joe Gibbs Racing as a sponsor, but for the sport of NASCAR racing, they've been a long time, decades long sponsor in this sport. And with, with Kyle Busch, I just have a, a hard time wondering why there was such a problem finding sponsorship. Was it because other companies just simply said, we can't attach ourselves to Kyle because of his antics off the racetrack? If that's the case, Ty Gibbs showing very similar antics right now. How big of a trouble uh, are they going to have trying to attach sponsorship to Ty Gibbs? So I think Kyle Busch, the big thing to me was just the, the question mark was sponsorship. Jeff, as Alex just mentioned, Ty Gibbs will be filling the seat of Kyle Busch, although it won't be in the 18. It'll be in the 54. What do you expect to see from the younger Gibbs next season? I have no idea what to expect when it comes to Ty Gibbs in 2023. I think this, we all would agree that this kid, Ty Gibbs, has as much talent in a race seat behind the race steering wheel as anybody we have ever seen come in prior, especially at his age. Is he capable of winning? Absolutely. I think the question mark becomes is, is he capable of losing? Because he is not gonna dominate at the cup series level like he has in his, you know, in what it took him to get here in the Arca series. And, you know, if he drove a truck in the Xfinity series, he was winning week in and week out. He isn't gonna do that necessarily in the cup series, at least not to the level that I think we have seen him win prior. So I, I think that if if he allows himself to grow, if he allows himself to mature and doesn't put the world's pressure on his shoulders and he learns how to lose every once in a while, I think we are looking at an absolute future star. We are looking at a future champion. Um, this kid's got all the talent in the world and there's no reason he can't win on any given Sunday. But I think the biggest thing he's got to be able to do is be able to adapt when he doesn't have the best day out there. Dave, is Ty Gibbs ready to make this step up to the Cup Series? I think the jury's out on that, quite honestly, based on some of the things that we saw, uh, I'll say throughout the 2022 season, but certainly at the tail end of the 22 season, most specifically, obviously, what happened at Martinsville, wrecking a teammate uh, for a win that, that he quite honestly didn't need to have. I think the jury is out on how Ty Gibbs can mature and adapt and blend into the landscape of the NASCAR Cup Series. It isn't going to help that his number one backstop and supporter and mentor and encourager, his dad, is not going to be there to help him through that, that transition. I think one of the smarter things, though, that JGR did is take that 18 off the side of the car for next year and put the 54 on it. That that number in in the minds of a lot of people, certainly our, our more recent fans, 
That number has been Kyle Busch for as long as most of them can remember. And it's going to be hard enough to live up to Kyle Busch. It's hard enough to, to be compared to him at every turn. I think it's a it's a really good move by JGR to put the 54 on the side of that car and just try and take the focus off who used to drive it and keep the focus on who drives it now. And we'll close it right there, Alex. You can replace Kyle Busch and you can coach up Ty Gibbs to be competitive in the Cup Series, but you can't replace the hole that's in the heart of that entire organization left by the sudden passing of Coy Gibbs during championship weekend. Can't imagine. I can't imagine what what Ty Gibbs's emotions have been like in the span of just a few hours from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Um, and never will I ever sit back and, and speculate how difficult that's been for for Ty. I think the, the big thing is, is this is a piece of adversity that he's going to have to deal with. Like it or not, when you become a big time NASCAR driver, you are a public figure and the majority of your life is going to be led in the public eye for right for wrong and and jeff and dave we've all talked about it he's got a lot of growing up to do and a lot of maturing to still do quite frankly to the point we we don't know who ty gibbs is as a person uh there have been times there's been adversity and he has sounded like a robot and coached on exactly what to say and no matter what question is asked of him, he's given that straight up standard told coached answer. At some point, we need to find out who he is and and having to go through with what he's gone through to win a championship and to lose his father like that in the span of just a few hours. I, I can't imagine. But to, to lose Coy Gibbs is one of the leaders at, at Joe Gibbs Racing, I, I think is going to be immeasurable right now because. Who is there that's going to run Joe Gibbs Racing when Coach Gibbs decides to stop being a car owner? He's not going to do it forever, uh, and Coach Gibbs isn't getting younger. None of us are, right? So where is Joe Gibbs Racing going to be? Corey Gibbs' passing has left a void there in that organization, let alone in that family. Although a few weeks have passed, everyone's thoughts here at the Motor Racing Network are with the entire Joe Gibbs Racing organization and the entire Gibbs family during this holiday season. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2022 will be the last time we ever see Kurt Busch racing full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series. Busch announced a few months ago that he would be retiring from full-time racing after suffering from the lingering effects of a concussion sustained at Pocono back in the summer. Kim Kuhn and Jason Toy are back to reflect on the career of Kurt Busch and his impact on NASCAR. Jason, going into the year, we certainly questioned how much longer Kurt would race he had the win at Kansas and was set to be a part of the playoff field, but little did we know that wreck during practice at Pocono would be the last time we saw him in a car this season. We've seen hits before, and you you go to it with a grain of salt. In fact, okay, great concussion protocol. You know, we see it across any genre of sports, but to go out, take a step out, get everything back in order. And we talked to Kurt a lot here the last couple of uh, races of the season. Uh, talked to him uh, before the race at Phoenix and uh, even the, the, you know, the races before that too at, uh, at Talladega. It was the recovery was the hard part for Kurt. For Kurt. And it was the fact that the, he had to, you know, it was to go through the, the system of what he had to do, but 
the reaction that his mind and his brain was giving him, especially under those type of conditions, wasn't right where it needed to be. And he did not feel comfortable in being out there with all those other drivers or himself to be able to do it. Now, it's a, a thing that happens in sports nowadays. We see it in football a lot. We see it in other sports, basketball, hockey especially too. It's more of an emphasis when it comes to the concussion protocol to make sure these drivers are a good to be able to get back in that race car, get back in their sport, but also too to, to have a life beyond the sport. And that's what we see a lot with a lot of a lot of people that have had, and I've seen it in football for years, guys that have went out and played with concussions that continue to, to push the limits on it and not let it heal in time or not let it treat itself in time that had lifelong, uh, that's prolonged deals that's happened to them in their life. Of, of trying to deal with having that that concussion. And I know that's what Kurt wanted to live, wants to race right. He wants to go out and try to win. He doesn't want to put anybody else in jeopardy, but he also too wants to live a life outside of that race car. So yeah, it was quite a shock to see that. We saw it with Alex Bowman who came back on that final race, but he was out longer than maybe some people thought that you know was gonna happen too. So the, you gotta make sure that the health is priority number one for these drivers. I know it's been addressed with the with the drivers council and nascar and some other thing and the owners to try to make changes and i know here the last couple of weeks of the season they were doing crash testing and some other things to figure out how they can make some changes to help these drivers especially when it comes to it but it comes down to a point we're in a sport that is is a violent sport when it comes to hitting on the wall and whatsoever it is a hard impact sport so you got to make sure these drivers are as protected as they can be we're not going to see Kurt full-time moving forward, but we'll still see him from time to time make starts in the Cup Series. Jason, what do you got to remember most about the career of Kurt Busch? Aggressive, always outspoken to. It used to be, you now obviously, maturity through life and maturity through racing kind of changes some things on what Kurt was like when he was younger to what he is now in this day. And, you know, we've always had a great working relationship with, with Kurt throughout his career, and he is, uh, you know, he's, he's had controversies in the past. I mean, that's one thing about it, but he's he's worked his way through it. He's always seemed to come back. I think he's a Hall of Fame career, obviously, with a champion, the amount of races he's won and what he's done for this sport. And uh, it's, it's hard not to see him out there. You know, it's one of those things, but I think he has a great career beyond the beyond things in that race car not only as uh you know maybe on the on the tv or radio side of things but i think he's got a, a career beyond that when he gets towards that retirement age of it and you know we hear a lot of these drivers that you know we've seen run you know pretty much half their life in this series that are starting to get to that age now and get to that point of you know what i've done well i've put away my money i've been able to achieve a lot of things in championships and maybe it's time to take that step back but yeah it's, it's going to be going to miss seeing him full-time out there, but I can guarantee when he's healthy and he's going to be racing, he's going to be contending for for race wins. And I think it'll be fun to have guys like him and Jimmy Johnson come back for select races next year. Kurt made every single team he raced for better. He was kind of like a thermometer for teams. And, and Dan, Denny spoke about that when he did his due diligence, bringing Kurt on to 2311. He said, you know, I talked with former teams that Kurt raced for. I talked with his former teammates and every single one of them agreed that Kurt made them a better team and Kurt made them better drivers. And the number of different teams he's been able to find success and win with, not only that, the number of different manufacturers. Just hands down, Kurt Busch will be a first ballot Hall of Famer and he has made every single team he has raced for better than they were before. You said it there, Kim. Is Kurt a NASCAR Hall of Fame driver? Absolutely. I mean, he is a champion in the NASCAR Cup Series. He's a Daytona 500 champion. 
He has won for so many different manufacturers and so many different teams. His accolades just, it's a very long list. What a career it's been for Kurt Busch. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. That's going to put a bow on this week's NASCAR Live as we button up the top 10 stories of 2022. I'd like to thank all the voices you heard today. Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, Steve Post, Dave Moody, Todd Gordon, Chris Wilner, Kim Kuhn, and Jason Toy. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for listening. We thank you for being with us all year. And we all would like to extend our best wishes for a happy holiday season. Until we speak again, my friends, take care. So long and happy holidays. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was directed by Trey Downey and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com.